One of the most comforting and reassuring passages, at least in my estimation, in all of the New Testament is one that's found in the book of Ephesians. And more specifically in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, where Paul makes the statement, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. When you think about all of the ways that you can live uh, in this world today, all of the different life pursuits that you could choose from, all of the different focuses that you might choose uh, as the, the path that you're going to travel in this life, I contend that Christianity is still the one that offers you the greatest benefit and advantage. And it is because of what is said in this passage that I believe that. That in Christ Jesus, as Christians, we have all spiritual blessings. We come short in no blessing that is important that we need. And the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus as Christians are blessings, quite frankly, that are not available anywhere else. I wonder this morning if you and I, of course, I'm in a different position because I've had an opportunity to think about this, but you're coming at it fresh this morning. So I'll give you a little latitude here as we think about this. But when you think about spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, what do you think of? What, what comes to mind this morning? When you read, I have every spiritual blessing, I have all spiritual blessings as a Christian, what are they? What comes to mind? You know, we sing a song from time to time, count your blessings Name them one by one. But what are they? Or at least what are some of them that make being a Christian so advantageous over all of the other ways that you could live in this life? In the verses that follow, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul's going to give no less than seven spiritual blessings. That, that are unique to Christianity that we enjoy as Christians that no other path in life could bring you in contact with. And maybe you've not thought about these recently. Maybe you, in counting your blessings, haven't taken the opportunity to think about what those actually are. Maybe this morning we can do that. And maybe we'll use this time to reflect on some of those blessings that are enumerated in this chapter and just maybe we will be reassured especially if our confidence is wavering maybe we will be reassured that being a Christian and living the Christian life is the greatest way to live in this world so let's notice these together in the first place in verse four we get the first one and it is the idea of being chosen. 
Look at verses 3 and 4 together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Chosen. You know, maybe you were, and I'm not trying to bring up any traumatic memories from your childhood this morning, but maybe you were that kid on the playground at recess when the teams were being selected, you just, you feared that with all of your being because you knew if it were basketball, for like me, if it were basketball, you know, I, was, I would be the last one chosen. And there's something about not being chosen. That, that sense of neglect or rejection that maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you don't meet the test or the qualifications to be of worth and value in that particular situation. I can tell you right now today where I'm at in life, I couldn't care less about being picked at recess to play on a team. That might be really important to some of you right now and you might draw a lot of discouragement from not being chosen, but the day will come when you just won't care about recess and playground sports as much as you do right now. But something that will stay with you is the sense of worth and value that comes with being chosen. And in Christ Jesus, as a Christian, that is one of the blessings that we enjoy, being chosen. And it's not about our merit, what we've done to put God in a place to where he says, oh, I owe it to you to choose you. Or how popular you are in the world or anything like that that has to do with your inherent worth and value as the world would see it. You're just worth something to God. And you have value to him as one of his created beings. And what I love about being a Christian and the spiritual blessings that are available in Christ Jesus is that there's no embarrassment over not being chosen because we are chosen. Peter uh, iterated it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. And if that's where it stopped, that would be enough. I'm part of a chosen generation. But he keeps going. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's, here's the first one. God has spared us of embarrassment and rejection by choosing us. And it's not based upon qualities that the world deems to be important and valuable. It doesn't have anything to do with how well you play basketball or football or baseball or anything like that. God created you, and so you have inherent value. 
And when you love him and you reciprocate on the love that he has for you and you turn your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength to him, you can be chosen as his child. And so the first one is chosen. Think about that regularly, especially in a world where it is hard to live like the one in which we live today where so many people struggle in their minds and in their hearts with worth and value, what greater thing could there be than to know that above all things, God has chosen you as his child? Here's the second one. Right there in the same verse, verse 4. Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What do you think of when you think of holiness? And the idea of being a holy person. Maybe your mind goes back to the life that you've lived before coming to Christ. Maybe you weren't brought up in a Christian home, maybe the influences early in your life didn't direct you to a path of holiness and righteousness. Maybe you lived like the world in the world and you did a lot of things and you experienced a lot of things in your life that make you feel everything but holy. Maybe you were brought up in a Christian home. And maybe you ignored the teachings of your mom and dad. And maybe you, too, lived a life where you did everything except what you might think of when you think of holiness. Maybe you think of the Israelites looking out among their flock, looking for a sacrifice to offer to God. And here's this one. There's something wrong with its leg, and so it's rejected. Or this one, on its coat, there's something deformed. So it's, it has a blemish. It's rejected. Maybe this one, something's wrong with its eye. And you look out and you see all of these and you think they are not acceptable to God because they have some blemish in them. And God has called for something without blemish. And then when you think about us today and the idea that we are to be holy and all you think about is the blemishes in your past, maybe even in your present. And how could I ever be someone or something acceptable to God as a sacrifice? How could I constitute holiness? Again, it's not about your inherent holiness. It's about what God can do to you and for you when you decide to be a Christian. And what the blood of Jesus Christ does to you and for you when you're bathed in it in the waters of baptism. We're made holy by God. It's not something that we bring to him and show him that we've come up with it on our own. It's what happens in the course of becoming a Christian. 
and living the Christian life as God has prescribed. I, I expect that there are some who are Christians this morning who are struggling with the idea of being able to be holy people. And maybe there are those who haven't ever obeyed the gospel because they don't think they could ever be categorized or classified as holy because of the lives that they are living one of the great spiritual blessings that is available in Christ Jesus is holiness. The ability for the God of heaven to look at you and see a person who is holy. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about people who have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not perfect people. But holy people, for sure. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, so be ye holy also in all your conduct. Because as it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Here's an admonition and an instruction given to Christians about something that they are to do and that they can do, that's something that they are to be and can be, and that is holy. And so you and I can be holy before God. When we choose Him and when we seek to live a life according to the will that He has given us, God can make you holy. And that's not contingent upon things in your past that you have repented of. It's not contingent upon behaviors that you have stopped doing that were unholy. It's contingent upon our turning to him and allowing him to do for us and to us through his son and that sacrifice what he is able to do when we turn and live our lives for him. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1 says, Therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting it. That's something that we continue to do as we live our lives. Again, we're not perfect and we make mistakes and we miss the mark. But we keep perfecting it. We keep working at it. And God keeps doing to us and for us what he's promised to do and making us a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. And so chosen, holiness is a spiritual blessing that we enjoy. Now what about the third one in verse 5? Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Adoption. Some people... In life, some Christians have had the experience of, of being adopted in this world. To be brought into a family that was not their biological family because that family loved them 
and wanted them and wanted to provide a life and home for them. God uses familiar language and terminology to help us appreciate what He's done for us. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus told a group of people of His day that they were of their father, the devil. That's a horrible home to be in. A horrible family environment to be in the home where the father is the devil. And you know, there's a sense in which that's the case for all of us, at least at some point in our life. When we're living in the world outside of Christ, part of the world, our father is the devil. Because we're living according to his ways, his will, and he has dominion over us. In the world. But there's an adoption process available where we can leave that home that's not good for us and come into one that is good for us, where there's a father who loves us, who wants to provide for our needs, who wants to take care of us, and that imagery is, is real. And we should think about that when we think about how God has brought us into his family. He adopted us. He chose us to be part of his family. We've gone from an abusive father who cared nothing for us and our well-being to one who wants to give the very best to us. And we've been adopted into a family by a father who loves us. And what I love about that is that's available to everybody. You know, some people are brought up in home situations where adoption out of that environment's not, it's not an option. It never happens for them. And they grow up in a very bad environment that's not good for them and it's not any help at all for them in living life. But the great thing about this is everybody has this opportunity. Everybody has this available to them. When they come to know the fact that, well, I'm living in the world, I'm lost with the world, but there's a God in heaven who's made it possible for me to be adopted out of that environment and into one that's healthy, that's good, that's wholesome. It's wonderful as a preacher to be able to tell people that. Can you imagine? And quite frankly, some religions are stuck in this place that I'm about to describe. There's this great God, and he's done a lot to save people, but there's nothing you can do to become part of that people because he's chosen a certain group of people individually named them. And if you're not part of that, oh well, you can't be adopted. I, that would be miserable as a preacher if that were the message that I had to preach. And you might be looking at this passage and say, well, that's kind of what it says. He's predestined us to adoption. 
But it's not talking about the predestination of individuals to a certain end. It's talking about a predestined, predetermined process by which a group of people will come to be and anybody can follow that process and be part of that predetermined group or class of people, a Christian. Nobody can stop you from being a Christian. Therefore, nobody can stop you from being adopted by God. That's a wonderful privilege and blessing. Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 through 28 records where Paul says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, we can be adopted into God's family. And it's a family environment where there's a father who has loved us and has done everything possible and everything necessary to make for us the best life that we could possibly live. Adoption is a spiritual blessing. Number next is found in verse 6. And it's acceptance. Look at the verse. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us acceptable in the blood. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll go before a family member, we're getting dressed to go somewhere, and we might say, is this acceptable or is this appropriate to wear? <clears throat> Caleb and I probably should do a little more of that since we seem to dress the same way every Sunday. But anyway, that's another story. Acceptance. If you think about all of the challenges that people face today in a negative sense, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, how many of those issues that, that cause us so many problems have to do with acceptance? Just, just feeling accepted for who we are and what we are. We can't accept ourselves because we don't feel accepted. And we can't grow and we can't move forward many times because of that lack of acceptance. Because our being acceptable is contingent upon someone else accepting us. And so we're stuck. We can't move forward. We can't grow personally. We're in a rut with no way to move out of it. In my mind, at least, that's why this spiritual blessing is so important. Because we're not stuck in a rut with God. With Him, we have acceptance. Because we've become Christians, because we've obeyed the gospel, but because we've contacted the blood of His Son, we've been made acceptable to Him. And again, just like the others, that's not contingent upon how messed up of a life I may have lived before becoming a Christian. 
Those things don't threaten my acceptance because I've repented of those things. I've been washed in the blood of Christ in the gospel. Unless I see that, unless I own that, then I'm stuck. I think of Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. When the Gentiles were being accepted into the church, into the gospel message, Peter says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted in him. And that's us. My family may not accept me. The people I work with may not accept me. Society may not accept me, but I have one guarantee that God accepts me. When I become his child and I work righteousness, I am acceptable to him. So that's a great spiritual blessing that we enjoy. Next, in verse 7, we have redemption. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Do you feel forgiven this morning? Do you still beat yourself up over things that happened in your past before you became a Christian? Or maybe things that you did as a Christian but that you've since repented of. Do you still beat yourself up over those things? Do you not allow yourself to feel forgiven? I think it's fair to say when we do that, we don't really understand redemption. This spiritual blessing that we enjoy, according to Paul. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. You know, sometimes a child, you tell your child to move, it's time to go, and they they just stand there, they don't move. One option among many that you have is to pick them up and move them. Physically move them. Spiritually speaking, sometimes when we obey the gospel and we become Christians, we're stuck in the place, at least mentally, emotionally, where we were. And I love the language of this passage because it says we've been conveyed, we've been moved, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. When I become a Christian, I may feel like I can't move, but God moves us. I may still be stuck there in my mind, but as far as God is concerned, I've been moved. I've been conveyed. 
I've been transferred from one place to the other. The kingdom of the world under Satan's influence to the kingdom of Christ under the gospel's influence. And I have redemption. I've been redeemed from those sins. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 says that we've obtained eternal redemption. Now maybe you have a ring or some some special treasure that you use to get money. Maybe you go to the pawn shop and you pawn that thing to get money that you need, maybe to pay the rent or something. And then you hope that you'll be able to go back and redeem that item to get it back and take it back into your possession. And that may be a process that you go through. You never really have it. And it's always at jeopardy and you are always in danger of losing that thing. But the redemption that we enjoy as Christians is eternal redemption. As long as we stay in God's fold and His family, that redemption will not be taken away from us. We'll not lose it. It will not be compromised. You can lose a lot. A lot can be compromised in this life. But in the spiritual blessings that we enjoy as Christians, redemption's not one of them. Now you can turn your back on God and walk away from Him. But I don't really believe that's what we're trying to do this morning. And so we have confidence about our redemption. Number next, in verse 11, we have an inheritance. In him also you have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Inheritance. You may be planning to leave an inheritance for your children when you leave this life, but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. It may be all gone before you get to that point. But ours, an inheritance that we enjoy that did not come cheaply, is an eternal inheritance. It is guaranteed. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. It it was not a cheap investment in us. It is one that secured an inheritance for us that is eternal. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now listen, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. An eternal inheritance. A spiritual blessing. 
that we enjoy as Christians. And then one more in verse 18, hope. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Hope. Do you ever think about death and dying? And that moment in time when you will close your eyes in death. I, I don't know a lot about that transition, but when those eyes close, a transition takes place. And we, in some sense, open our eyes in eternity. The rich man died and lifted up his eyes being in torment. That was not a good situation. But for Christians, we have a hope. We hope, not like, I hope I get this job, or I hope my car doesn't break down on the way to work today. Not, that's not hope. Hope is confident expectation. We expect this to happen because our expectation is founded upon the promises of God. And so we hope when we close our eyes in this life, we wake up in eternity in the comfort that God provides for us. And we, we want for, we long for that kind of hope and assurance. And verse 18 here says, we can know the hope. It's not like hoping I can go 15 miles when my car says I can go five miles on the gas that remains. That's anybody's guess. But this is confident assurance and expectation. That's hope. We hope, we anticipate with confidence that we're going to come through death just like Jesus did. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19 says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, brothers and sisters, we are of all men most to be pitied. Our hope extends beyond this life. I look at the world in which we live and I see people flailing and struggling to stay afloat just in how they feel about themselves, how they feel about life, how they feel about their past, how they feel about their future, And I think if only they had the gospel, if only they were Christians, if only they knew what all spiritual blessings meant. And I look at Christians who were flailing in life, struggling with their past, concerned about their future, concerned about their focus and purpose in life. And I think 
If only we knew and we realized the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, like being chosen, like holiness, adoption, being acceptable to God, redemption, an eternal inheritance, and hope. I think you and I as Christians would do ourselves a world of good if we would remind ourselves just what it means to have all spiritual blessings. It might brighten our outlook on life. It might allow us to get unstuck. It might allow us to move forward and grow and proclaim His glory to others. I hope this morning we've been encouraged to think more deeply about what it means to have all spiritual blessings in Christ. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you need to change families. You need to come into God's family where those blessings are available to you. And the way you do that is through obedience to the gospel, through faith, having studied and learned from this book about God's redemptive plan, willing to repent, to leave all of that behind, to live a life directed by the word of God that is a holy life so God can make us holy, to confess with our mouths that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and to be baptized in water to have your sins washed away. It has to be that way for that purpose in order for it to count. And if that's your desire this morning, if you want to become part of God's family where you enjoy all spiritual blessings, what's holding you back? We're going to sing a song to encourage. If you have a need to respond to heaven's invitation, why don't you do so as we stand and sing? Thank you for listening to this recorded audio of a sermon that was preached at the Roanoke Church of Christ. If you'd like to visit us, you can do so at 608 Dallas Drive, Roanoke, Texas, 76262, or you can visit our website at roanokechurchofchrist.org. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.